Hey, how many have enjoyed the series Doors? Boy, it has been a good one, a great one. And it's just that there are five things that I think the Holy Spirit really wants to speak to us as a church of doors he wants us to go through, doors he's going to open for us. And, and the first one, how many remember what it was, was the door of devotion. Because, and, and remember, the message was not to people who are not believers, it's to those of you who claim Jesus is Lord. Just like the seven churches in the book of Revelation, they all claimed Jesus is Lordship but there was one that he told him, I'm going to take you through an open door that no man can close. But he said, it's because of your devotion. And you remember the other churches, five out of the seven, he was not giving exhortation that you love me. He was giving correction that you have drifted from me because you say you walk through the door, but in your door of devotion to Jesus, you built in a little doggy door. And the wild beasts... And we talked about that because devotion is something that I believe the Holy Spirit is going to take the body of Christ into deeper that goes beyond Sunday morning attendance, small groups. It's something that privately he is getting in deep relationship with you. How many want to go deeper? Amen? You're going to deep. Go deeper with him. This is going to be a year of deeper for you. But you know, also with that, when I talked about the pet doors, we're not a church that tells you Okay, this is what the Holy Spirit's speaking to us or to you. And then you don't have a path to get, get, get to close off that door. You can have pet doors and you're dealing with things. You say, Pastor, but how do I deal with it? We are not going to tell you one thing and then not give you a path where Jesus can watch you, show you victory and overcoming. So everybody take your phone out. Take it out for a moment. Take it out for a moment. Turn off the game and, and turn, <laughs> turn it off. Get your, get your phone out. Go to our church app. If you don't have our church app, download it. And when you see it come up, the first thing you're going to see is you're going to see all of these banners that are on there. And did you notice one there that says overcoming groups? You see it? It says overcoming groups. I want you to hit it. Just hit it. And you're going to see in there, we have all kinds of small groups around here just doing life, laughing and having fun together. And even these are ones that you have do life with people. But I want you to look at the ones that are in there because there's some of you that are going, Pastor, I'm dealing with something. How do I get through it? You're going to walk through the door of devotion by hitting one of those if you have a pet door that you're dealing with as a Jesus follower. How many are with me so far? I want you to hit it. I want you to pray about it. And I want you to hit it. Let's not t keep talking about, I wish I could get better at this and I wish God would help me. Let's do something about it. Amen? So I want you to look at it. There's one for self, uh, Celebrate Recovery for Life Controlling Habits, the Conqueror Series. This is uh, Addiction to Porn. You might be a Jesus follower and you're addicted to this and you're just tired of the devil beating you up. Why don't you beat him up? Why don't you, why don't you serve notice on him and give him eviction notice and say, I'm going to overcome this. Amen. Mending the soul. This is healing from abuse. It's affecting your relationship. Just, he, this is really good. Marriage mentoring. You say, our marriage is a wreck, Pastor. Well, when are you going to hit this button and say, you know what? I believe there are people that went through the same things we went through, and look how God has helped them. He can help us. Why don't you hit that today? Unbound, spiritual freedom. This is for women only. You say, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm a female and I'm dealing with things. Why don't you hit that today? Pastor, I can't, get out of my, I can't get out of the grief. Why don't you hit that one today? Pastor, it seems like we have more month than money. <laughs> 
And pastor, I really want to start being one of those kind of givers to God because honestly, pastor, I've given him my heart, but I'm telling you, the world gets more than God receives. And you say, I really want to see that change in my life. Well, how about you hit that financial freedom and know what freedom is? Single parent, and I'm a mom trying to raise by myself. I'm a dad. This one's for women only, but we'll have other for men. And even in pornography, can I tell you, can I tell you that even pornography among females is skyrocketing at the same rate it is among men now? And that's just because of what you have access to and Netflix and all that stuff and nobody's watching your home by yourself and you start hitting stuff, you know. Sometimes silence is good, you know that? Sometimes it's just really good. But we have things like that coming up. Always watch this, but I'm serious about this. You want to go through the door of devotion, you just don't know what steps to make to walk through that door. Your church in Jesus Christ is here to help you walk a devoted, overcoming life in Jesus because we know we call you an overcomer now even when you don't think you are. We already declare what you are. You are an overcomer. And everybody, how many of you say amen to that and give God praise for the overcoming power that our brothers and sisters are going to walk through? Amen? But I want to take that time because we're going to walk through that door of devotion. That's what God's called us to do, to walk through that door of devotion. Then we talked about the one-way door, that Jesus is not one of the many doors to get to God, that Jesus Christ is the only way to God the Father. He is the only way to eternal life. And we talked about the reasons why he could make that declaration, that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one sees the Heavenly Father but through me. Eternal life only comes through Jesus. No one else, no one else. And God says, I'm going to open doors for you. Come on, here's our text. Ready? Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. Let's say it out loud together. Let's read it out loud. I know all the things you do. I have opened a door for you that no one can close. This is your year of God opening doors for you. But it's just not about God opening doors for you. It's also about you opening doors that God wants you to turn the knob and go through to see his power and presence and relationship like you've never seen it. I have never talked to this elder about this today. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is prophetically talking to you and me about the door he wants us to go through. And Jesus talks about it in Matthew 7, 7. He talks to them about effective praying. And this is what he says. And we're going to break it down here in just a minute. He said, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. Some of you waiting for God to open all the doors, but he's wanting you to keep on knocking, and keep on knocking, and keep on knocking. And he says it's through communion with me. And today, we're going to talk about the open door of effective prayer. The open door of effective prayer. So what is prayer? Prayer is not your to-do list. Uh, <laughs> prayer is not just some religious routine. Prayer is communion with God so that our hearts will reflect his heart. That what his desire, his nature is, becomes our desire and nature. And we not only reflect who he is, 
but we start releasing his will and purpose in our life and through our life and even into our community. That's what prayer is. It is about reflecting his heart so close in communion that your desire, his desires, start becoming your desires. Now, I'm going to tell you, that comes through communion. I have, I tell you what, there are things that I never used to do when I was a single man that I started doing because Brenda came into my life. I never took a vacation, ever, ever. I'm not kidding you. I did not take vacations. My family, we came to the United States in 1961. My dad went right to work, and all the kids went right to work with you. We got up in the morning. We cleaned toilets. We cleaned buildings. That night, you went to school. You got your homework done, went back to work, got done, went back to bed, and did rinse and repeat. And I don't remember ever as a kid, ever, ever, ever going on a vacation. So me, that's the way I was wired. Buddy, you go in, get your work done, go back out. I never took vacations. When I got with Brenda, she said, you're going to slow down. And that would have never happened had I not gotten relationship with her, had I not married her. I started discovering things that I never had, that I wasn't even attuned to spiritually because it was communion that I had with her. I mean, I'd want to go, when I, when I preached, even as I traveled as an evangelist, I was a single guy. I mean, I'm telling you, I fly in. I did what God wanted me to do, and I flew out. I didn't go tour the malls. I didn't go shopping. I didn't go to see the zoo. I didn't go to see some statue. I was in. I was out. It was business. But when we got married, Brenda says, you're going to stop. You're going to smell the roses. And then we started having children. We had them on the road, Sarah and Nathan. We had to stop. We had to go visit this children's museum. We had to do I said, don't you understand? I'm a man of God. I got to preach tonight. I cannot be going on a train ride. But can I tell you why it changed me and I needed to change? I was going to drive myself into the dirt and end my ministry early had she not come into my life. I mean, I'd have driven my family into the ground if I had not listened. But all of that came through communion with this lady right here. Yeah, come on. It helps guys to listen to your wife. I'm telling you, don't they? They sound a whole lot like the Holy Spirit, don't they? Amen. <laughs> but that's what communion and prayer is. It's not about Brenda. I didn't marry her to get my to-do list because I need someone to do the laundry and I need somebody to cook. I didn't do that. Jesus is not your Savior so he can get your laundry list done and perform for you. He's wanting you to get a reflection of who he is and then as a reflection, guess what begins to happen? You start releasing his will through that communion of prayer. How many are with me? So when you see, when you see I'm going to take you through scripture. We're going to, Jesus is going to talk to us today. But when you look in Luke, Luke 7, um, when you look in Luke chapter 7, you'll see even before, even before Matthew, 7, Matthew 6 is a reflection of, of, of what happened in Luke, Luke 11, where the disciples asked Jesus, He's talking to them about that communion. They said, Lord, we don't know how to do that. They said, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Notice they didn't say, could you teach us how to run a multi-staff ministry? Could you, tell, could you teach us how to distribute food? Could you, Lord, could you teach us how to exegete a scripture? Could you teach us how to put the funny joke in the sermon so we could keep people engaged? 
He said, no, Jesus, what we need you to do is teach us how to have that communion with the Father so we can reflect him like you are because you say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that comes because of your direct pipeline with communion to him. Teach us how to pray. You see, have you ever noticed on social media, how many of you see this thing called master classes? Master classes, how many of you have seen that? Isn't that amazing? We want the master class to learn how to cook. Some of us... Never mind. We want master class on how we can do better business negotiation. We want a master class on how we can raise our children. Can I tell you the greatest master class you could ever take is to follow the master's class when he taught them, here's how you develop communion with me, with the Father, to really reflect who I am and begin to release my presence and my will into the earth. So here's what Jesus does. In Matthew chapter 6, he starts talking to them about prayer in Matthew chapter 6 which parallels with what they were asking in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 11. And so here's what he does. Before they say, they say, teach us how to pray, and he's still reflecting on it. It's the same thing that's happening in Matthew chapter 6. What he does is, before he teaches them how to pray, before he shows them how they need to pray, he shows them how not to pray. He starts with, here's what you don't do when you want to come to me. So many people say, teach us how to pray, but it's not so much teaching you what to do, it's to teach you what not to do when you want the depth of relationship with the Lord. How many are ready to go deeper and walk through that door of devotion with communion with him? So here's what Jesus does. First of all, he goes, he says, listen, I want to talk to you disciples, and we're his disciples, because some people that follow me pray pointless prayers. They are not worth anything. They don't perform anything. They can impress, but they do not empower. And look what he does. Go to Matthew chapter 6 and verses 5 and 6. And we're going to break this all down. Here's Jesus talking. He says, when you pray, when you pray, don't be like the what? Hypocrites. And what do the hypocrites do? Who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogue where everyone can see them. In the church, everybody can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Isn't that interesting? That was the prophetic word that God chose to give us today. No accident. No accident. Had no clue what I was going to speak about today. Then your Father, then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. How many would rather have the reward of the Father than the reward of people around you, even in the church world? So what was going on here? He's saying, the problem is, he said he's dealing with cultural things going on here as well. How many know prayer is still a little bit a part of the American culture, even the church, American church culture? Okay, come on. You know, I've seen it, city council start, they all want to start with prayer. I think it's great. In some rural communities where people haven't gotten up or gone crazy, you can still pray it before a football game. Civil events, high school football game, you can see people praying. Uh, before Senate convenes, they prayer, if a pastor prays, you even get a little, little something with them, a little document so that you did it. It's nice, I guess. A present inaugura- inaugurations of presents, we're going to go through the routine of prayer. Now, there's, how many know there's nothing wrong with it? In fact, it'd be nice to see more of that. It'd be nice to see more of that. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But here's the deal. Does the person have only a public display of prayer? Just has public display, but no personal devotion to Jesus in the private? Because Jesus was talking about the private. Because those all fit, it really it works really good. It, it makes you fit in with social relevance. Oh, that, that politician prayed, or he invoked the name of Jesus. And sometimes they'll invoke that just to make sure that you and I vote for him. And I'm not saying, I'm not judging. That's their, it's up to them. It's, it's whether it's personal for them or you're trying to manipulate somebody. But sometimes people pray for social relevance, but they have no spiritual relationship with Jesus at all. Hmm. And he says, whatever you do, don't pray like that. Don't use the model to impress a girlfriend on a date to show her you're spiritual. Can we go on a second date? Because I know it's important to you. Y'all didn't think I'd fit that one in, did you? But I got it in there. Because I'm telling you, there are some people that do spiritual things to get the person, but have no spiritual relationship with a the God. They just want to hook the guy or hook the girl. I see that in church world all the time. It stinks. He calls it hypocrisy. And I wasn't even in my notes, so I'm going to say it was God. So here he says, don't do this. He said, before he says, here's how, he says, don't do this. It, he said, it, it, it just turns God off. So how do I know? How do I know if my prayer model is one that pleases him? The way you know this is your prayer model of the hypocrites is when you go into private prayer, you have nothing to say. Plenty to say on the date, plenty to say to impress, plenty to say so I can invoke social relevance and I fit, but when I go into the private, I don't have anything to say. In fact, there's no passion in the relationship anymore. In fact, if I got to pray, I'm sitting there looking at my watch the whole time. I don't want to be with him. Here, 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 here's how you know that's happening. You pray when there is trouble, okay? You pray when there's trouble, but when there's nothing forcing you to pray, there is no internal pressure to seek him, and you are bored by yourself. There's no doctor's report, it's terminal, so there's nothing pressuring you to finally seek him. There's no boyfriend going to drop you, so there's no pressure to seek him. The stock market looks like it's doing good this last week, so there's no pressure to seek him. I know I'm getting a pay raise. I know I'm getting the good, but there's no pressure to seek him. So there's no internal pressure to say hunger for me, thirst for me. And so when that's not there, I'm bored with the conversation. And the strongest words Jesus had, some of the strongest words Jesus ever uses to describe people, he uses the word hypocrite. Hypocrite. Wow. Wow, that's heavy stuff. So how do you know you're a hypocrite? How do you know you're a hypocrite? <laughs> Boy, aren't y'all glad you showed up this morning with Pastor Sam. <laughs> how do you know you're a hypocrite? How do you know? So what is the definition of, of a hypocrite? Okay, what is the definition? It's they're one thing on the outside, but another thing on the inside. Okay, so we can pretty well settle that's the definition. 
And we know the obvious signs, okay? We know the obvious signs, okay? Here are the obvious signs. We know it. Here's adultery, obvious sign of adultery. He says he loves her, but I know who he's taken out, and I saw him in another town with his other woman. We know that's clear, okay? Those are easy to pick out. Greed, easy to pick out. Greed in somebody else. Well, they say that they're generous and they say they're a Christian, but I happen to know they don't give anything. So those are obvious to us, okay? That's, that, that is. But Jesus says that's not the test. <laughs> Jesus says that's not the test. It's the test we use, but that's not the test. Jesus says the test is, do you have a prayer life where you want to be with me and you want to talk? That's the test. Because if you'll hang with him, I promise you, he will help you with those other things. You'll reflect it. You'll change it. If you'll just close the door and say, I want to be with you. Wow. I like what Jonathan Edwards said. Jonathan Edwards said, the only thing you don't, don't do for show is secret prayer. Nobody sees it. And here's what Jesus said. Whenever they do that, whenever they do that to show the kids, hey, dad's still spiritual, but he has no prayer. But dad's still spiritual and pray over the meal. You know, Christmas, we had the Norman Rockwell picture. We had the turkey. Dad prayed. It was fabulous, dad. But there's nothing beyond that. Nothing beyond that. He says, here's the deal. When he talked about those hypocrites, when they do it for that, he says, they have their reward. In other words, their prayer did get answered. Listen to me. He says their prayer was answered. And guess what the answer was? Everybody saw you, and everybody has this perception of you because you did it publicly. That's your reward. But when you stand before the Father, you will have nothing, and he will not reward you because you just got it because you did it for that reason, and your prayer was answered. You got the respect of people here on earth because they think you're something that you're really not. You got your reward. But how many of you would say, I would rather close the door behind me. I don't need everybody to know my prayer record. I don't have to sit there and say, oh, well, I'm praying fasting here the first 21 days of January. Y'all hold, pray me up and just hold me up. I've just been fasting. I just got, I don't know. He said, you don't need to say nothing. Just close the door and the Father who sees you is going to reward you in a way that you have never known before. How many believe, folks, we want to pray for relationship with him? And then you look what he says. He said, don't pray. And then he says, don't be like hypocrites. And then he says this in verse 7. He says, and when you pray, don't Babylon. <laughs> Babylon, Babylon. <laughs> don't Babylon. And on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the word again and again. You're just going through the same prayer. Going through the same prayer. Repeating it over and over and over. And if I can say enough. He says, don't pray the way the culture prays because the culture they were in, they had lots of pagan gods, okay? So what's the culture he's in? There's so many gods, so many gods. And then he tells these people that are following him, he's telling these, these people who follow God, don't do. And boy, that was, that was like, boy, that, you thought I upset you. Jesus just upset him because he now compares them to pagans. And how dare he say that? Because here's what the pagans would do. Many pag they had so many pagan gods, and what these pagans would do is they would rattle off every single name of every pagan god. Bah, 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 bah. They start just rattling off the names, and then hopefully they would hit one of the names, and one of those names said, I'll answer him just by popping off all the names. He says, that's what they do. That's what they do. And they babble on and on and on and on. And then what they would do, here, this is what they would do. 
they would leverage their prayer and then they expected the deity to owe them a favor of something they had done to curry favor that he has to answer him because they did their performance. He says, don't do it like pagans and people who have no relationship with God, don't know God, just trying to call off all these things and go through all these prayers. Maybe they'll hit three lemons on God and they'll win. He says, don't do that. Or don't think you've got to pray because I did something, therefore you must answer me because our relationship is contractual and because I performed for this pagan deity, you must answer me now because I've done my part. Man, how many of us have ever done that? Communion with Jesus Christ is relational, not transactional, friends. He owes Sam Reifkogel no favors whatsoever. He doesn't owe you a thing and he doesn't owe me a thing, but how many you thank God he gives us everything because we're his children and we just want to be with him. He says, don't babble on and on. And how many people do that? Just start reciting, just babbling on and on and on and on and on. He said, just come and talk to me. Don't just give him the list of all the bad things your kids are doing. Get in there and know him. He said they just babble on, babble. You know, that'd be like, that'd be like a head of state, some nation inviting us, a president or a king inviting us. And we walk in and they want to talk and we go, listen to what I have to say. Could you imagine doing that? You get invited to go in an Oval Office to sit with the President of the United States and you, do, and you put your finger on his lips. Listen to me. How many of us do that with the Father? He's trying to reveal something. He's trying to say something. But we've got this laundry list of all of our things. And that's how we don't bring them to him. We go, listen to me. He says, you are there. Don't pray this way with pointless prayers like the hypocrite and those who don't even know me. But he says, when you come to me, you need to know you're my children, so you don't pay pointless prayers, you pray positional prayers. Oh, he says, so pray, don't pray, he says, pray like this. Everybody say, pray like this. He says, when you pray, you gotta remember, we are God's family. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, you're a son and daughter. But he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. He said, do this model right here. And he starts out with saying, what everybody? Our what? Oh, say that, say that, say, say that, say, say it again. Our Father. Friends, that is powerful when I can say, my Father. The power of, the, of that adjective, my Father. Father, our Father. Think about that, folks. My Father. My Father. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. <laughs> there exists only a few people that I would describe as mine. Okay? I, I, won't, descri <laughs> I won't describe Pastor Doug as mine. But Brenda? She's mine. Yeah. My son, my daughter, my grandsons, those are my, why, why, why? It's even awkward to say that. That's my Brenda. Doesn't that sound weird? It's my Brenda. 
be looking at her. Dude, that's mom. It's my wife. Why is it awkward? It's awkward because it's intimate. I would never say that out loud. It's hard to say that. My Brenda, my wife. It's awkward. To even say it out loud, it's because it's not for public use. It's not for public use. It's for private use. So how can we say our father? How can you get on your and say, my father, my father? How can you say that? Because I'm going to tell you there's a reason why I can say that's my wife was because I lay my life down for her and we got in a covenant and we got married till death do us part. And can I tell you, the gospel is the reason why you can call him my father, my heavenly father. You can say that because he died on the cross and when you gave your life to him, you were bound to Jesus Christ. This is not based on technique prayer. It is not based on performance prayer. It is based on that I was a Adopted by Jesus Christ himself when he shed his blood upon the cross and I am a chosen son you are a chosen daughter of God therefore you can say my father it is purely positional you are a child of God you are an heir of Christ Jesus because you are in position with him so don't come with pointless prayers of performance because that's not going to work he says you come based on position person became, listen, the person became an heir based on their position. All the resources of the owner went to them. All the resources that I have go to Brenda. All the resources go to my son and to my grandkids. All the resources go to them. Why? Because I have a will. And only the intimate are in the will. Full rights. Brenda has full rights in my house. You don't believe it? Go through the house. You'll, you'll see her fingerprints everywhere. She's got full rights. Full rights. No other woman has full rights. She's the only one who has full rights. No other woman. She's got it. It's position. Don't you try to come in and decorate my house with mauve and pink. Uh-uh. Don't bring in your emerald. No, just, just. This is hers. Her house. That's what's in that house. Nathan does not have to ask permission. Dad, can I please make an espresso? He's father. Don't you walk in my house and try to just go make you an espresso. <laughs> Abraham, he's getting it quick, buddy. Quit getting it quick. Goes right up to the refrigerator. That little freezer drawer is his level. He pulls it open. He sees down in there. He goes, popsicles. <laughs> and what did he say? I like popsicles. <laughs> Go grab you one, buddy. Don't send your three-year-old into my house and go, popsicles. I like popsicles. You get your mom and daddy buy you a popsicle. Get out of my house. Why? Because there's position. There's sonship. There's heirship. 
It's there. And Jesus says, too many of my kids are trying to perform for me, trying to curry favor, thinking if I do enough of this and I do enough of this, then daddy will finally do it. He says, don't be like the hypocrites that think that the performance moves their pagan gods or moves me. He said, you come as heirs, you are sons, you are daughters, and this is not just legal status, folks. This is intimate relationship with God the Father, and he calls me son. That's the reason why Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Paul says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father, Daddy, God. Come on, look at John 15, 16. He says, you are no longer slaves, but you are my personal friends. Come on in, put your feet up the table. Galatians 4, 7, Paul says it again. He says, now you are no longer slaves, but you are God's own child. And since you are God's child, he has made you his heir. Come on, church family. How many thank God you have position with the Father because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So don't fast and pray to manipulate him. Fast and pray so you will be more like him. And he says, and that kind of prayer is a purposeful prayer. And look what he says in verse 9. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is he saying here? Pray the will of God. Look at his word. Pray his will. Listen to the spirit. Pray his will. John 1, 15, 14, uh, John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to what, everybody? Could you say that again? His will, he hears us. You and I will never make him do anything that isn't his will. But if we ask according to his will, he says, I hear you. So what's the real source of the problem? It's when you and your pastor say, I know how this world needs to go. I know how life should look. I know what I need in order for me to say, this is perfect. This marriage is perfect now. Because I know what it needs. This world is perfect because I know what it needs. That is the source of the problem when you say, I know how to be God, so I know what I need. I know what my life should be looking like because I did this and this and this like the pagans, and so he should leverage us and give it to me. I know what I need for life to be perfect, to look like perfect. It would be perfect if this would be the outcome. That is where the problem begins. So here comes the torrent. Oh, Lord, you, mu- you got to do this. You must do this. I got, I got to get into this. I got to get into this school. You got to do this. You got to do this. I, I got to have this money. I got to have this. And he says, as a result, you're not ultimately asking me, what do you really want, Father? I trust our relationship so implicitly that if I don't get what I want, I want exactly what you want. So we end up asking with wrong motives. 
because we haven't focused on him. On him. Not the outcome, on him. And that's why James 4.2 says, yet you don't have what you want because you don't even ask first. You don't even talk to me anymore. And even when you do talk to me, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what gives you pleasure. And when this doesn't go your way, guess what happens? We end up getting bitter, angry, and cynical. But in the depth of relationship, you say, I have such confidence in you. You are so wise. I pray your word. I pray the spirit. But you are so wise. I have complete trust in this relationship. But when we don't, we go into the torrent. So here's what I'm making the decision to do. I'm going to resign as CEO of the universe. And don't condemn yourself to being God for the rest of your life by you describing what would be best and what would be perfect. You are unqualified. You are unqualified to be God. And so am I. Take yourself out of the place of God. And like Jesus did, our hearts will say, not my kingdom come, my will be done. Your kingdom come, Father. Your will be done. Lord, please, I would rather not, Jesus said, I would rather not, please, if it's any way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And sometimes you may think, and I say this often, <laughs> sometimes you think it's the wrong answer. Can I tell you, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. You know what the Father said? No. His prayer answer was no. But how many thank God the Father said no to Jesus so he could say yes to you and you're sitting here today because of Jesus' God's no, his yes was you. How many know the Father knows the best will? Some of you say, Pastor, but man, I get so wore out praying. I'm so wore out praying. Just pray and wait. How many know waiting is hard when you're praying? How many, okay, let me just, come on, let's be honest. How many, let's be honest. Y'all read the book, Could You Not Tarry? You read the word, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? Pastor, I can't get past the tithe of six minutes of the hour. Have you ever been there when you just, you're praying and all of a sudden, you can't sleep all night, but when you start praying, buddy, you're out like a light. How many of you ever been there? Oh, it's horrible, horrible, horrible. Or how many ever start praying and everything you got to do that you can't pray, you got so much to do, you don't have time to pray. How many ever done that? The, just the, the to-do list comes when you're praying. Come on, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Listen, let me tell you how to fix that. I tell everybody when you start praying and that starts happening, always carry your iPad with you or a notepad with you. And the moment that those things come up, write them down the minute they hit you. Just write them down when you're praying. Just write them down. Oh, I, I forgot to do this with the insurance agent. Just write it down. And, and I'm going to tell you, pretty soon that stuff stops. Let me tell you why. Because what happens is, is what Satan didn't know, he was trying to mess me up and remind me everything. And I got a long to-do list. Can I tell you what? He became the best secretary in the whole world. I don't have to pay him nothing. I don't have to pay insurance. Now, he's the ugliest secretary you'll ever have in your life. But I'm going to tell you, you'll get things done. Wait. Are you bored when you pray? Could it be he says you're coming for the wrong thing? I just want you. 
I want to take my word and reveal it to you and then start releasing what I want released through you and in you. But when you come with that kind of passion, it just blows by, folks. I'm telling you, the time really does just go by. How many ever just go to work sometimes and you get in there at 9 o'clock and you keep looking at the clock, keep looking at the clock, keep looking at the clock, and 15 minutes go by and you're going, you've got to be kidding me. It's only 9.15. How many have ever done that before? Then how many have had a ton of work to get done, ton of work to get done, you're getting to work and you're so busy doing the work and you're looking up and you're going, oh man, it's 11.30. Man, I gotta, it's, it's almost lunchtime. And I, oh good, now I'm gonna have to stay off lunch. I gotta go finish this up. And it just seems like the clock is just spinning fast. How many have ever had that? Do you think the clock's up there really playing tricks on us going, <laughs> guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna turn an hour into three hours today. I'm gonna make 15 minutes look like, I'm gonna, do you think he's up there going, oh, here's what I did today. Instead of an hour they got, I turned hour into three minutes today. Do you think he's up there playing games with us? No, it was the perspective that changed. Clock didn't change. Something happened to you. And that's what prayer does. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes you and me. Prayer doesn't change God, it changes you and me to start reflecting who he is and his nature and to truly release his will because we're so connected to his desire. So pray and wait. Don't give up praying. Don't give up. Don't give up praying. When you study the word of God, we just went through the Christmas season here. When you see the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, They'd been praying and praying and praying for a son. And when the scripture tells us he goes into, goes into the temple that day, you remember the story? He's an old man. His wife is old. I mean, they're elderly now. And then all of a sudden, there he is. God strategically closes up Elizabeth's womb. They've been praying and praying and praying and praying for her son. They're old people now. They stopped praying. But God closed up her womb to drive her to prayer, to drive her to intimacy with God. Years go past, it starts flying by. There's no sign, and they just figure God's not gonna answer this prayer, so let's just take this one off the list, and it just fades away, because this is just one God's not gonna answer. And you remember the story? Zachariah is selected to go into the temple that day to offer prayer. That was a big deal, folks, because it was pretty rare that a person would even get selected in their lifetime, because they cast the lots to see who would go in to go pray. And there were over 10,000 priests, they predict at that time, probably over 10,000 priests. So it wasn't, oh, you sign up on Monday, I'll sign up on Tuesday. No, it was cast a lot. So if you got, you might have gotten in one time your whole lifetime, maybe. And there he was in the right time at the right place. And Gabriel says to him, Zachariah, your prayer has been answered. He's an old man. He goes, what prayer? The one you prayed, the forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist, your wife is gonna get pregnant. What prayer are you talking about? Because it was so long he stopped praying, they pushed it off to the side. He had unbelief. That prayer you prayed over 40 years ago to have a boy. See, the Father really knows timing and he knows everything. I wonder how many folks in this room there were things that you prayed about, like Zachariah and Elizabeth, and you just stopped praying. And you quit praying for that kid. You quit praying for your nation. This is never going to change. Nothing's going to change. You quit praying for your school, your community. Just never going to change. Quit praying for your husband. Praying for you. Just stop praying. And how many of the Holy Spirit says, "I want you to get back in that place 
and I want you to bring this to me. Instead of getting bitter and cynical and angry, bring it to me. Because here's what I'm going to do. The more you and I hang out, you're going to become more like me. God's not changing, but you and I are. How many are ready to go in that deep place with him and just start? Just start. Start.